This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Have you ever stopped to wonder what exactly success means to you? Is it money, fame, power, all of the above or none at all? I'm Dashran Johan and this is Redefining Success, a show where we speak to passionate people from various fields about their lives, what makes them tick and what the word success means to them. Joining me on the show today is Megan Cheng. She's a theatre practitioner and a fitness trainer. Welcome to the show, Megan. How do you define success? Hi, thank you. You know, I thought about this, right? And... I think if you ask me, even just like in the beginning of the year, I think it would give you a very different answer compared to like where I am now. And I think right. everybody's definition of success will change over time. Um, if you ask me when I was younger, when I was studying, I was like, you know, success means booking all the jobs and getting into all the shows and working with all the people. <laughs> and then <laughs> I think at some point, in, even in, in my lowest of lows, I was like, success means I can just pay my bills on time. <laughs> you know, and yep. not have to you know, worry about like, where in my budget do I need to cut out from so that, you know, do I <laughs> cut out from my skincare or right. my, you know, my groceries. It's just, I think where I'm at now is just kind of like the, it's a mishmash of the two. Um, I would love... For me, success is like doing meaningful work right. while also getting properly remunerated for yeah. it. <laughs> How much does your idea of success, Megan, tie to your career? The thing is, right, like, <laughs> we're all Asian, so like, right, right, <laughs> you know, absolutely. You, yeah. you tie your self-worth to your career a lot and that especially you know training as an actor that was something that i really had to unlearn um not very quickly but it was important to unlearn or rather untie my self-worth to my career specifically talking about you know theater um, performing arts because it's a very fine line especially becoming um Especially being like the product, right? Like, as a theater practitioner, as an actor, a dancer, singer, you are the product. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it feels, <laughs> even though it's not, it's not personal, but it feels personal when you don't book certain jobs because you are the product, and so right. therefore, if you are not booking the job, something is wrong with your product. And while that might be true in certain cases, overall, it's less to do with your self-worth and everything else to do with like what the company is looking for, what right. they have to fulfill, what the studio needs, what the role needs. Da, 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 da. But as a young actor, I spiraled quite a lot because I was like, I see all of my friends, you know, booking this, mm-hmm. booking that, uh, you know, and... Yeah, like I had to learn. And I think it was my senior in drama school who sat down. Yeah, that was, I, I um, shout out to Chini, Mama Chini. <laughs> uh, she was like, she, because she was a more experienced actor. Um, she came into school already having done a lot of theater. And right. just get her degree, so she had a lot of experience. And she's like, the one thing that I had to do for myself and my sanity um, to survive in this line is Absolutely. to make sure that I don't 
tie my personal self-worth, self-esteem and all of this stuff to my job because that's just like really damaging. I want to talk to you about two points in your life. Now, one point is the, the point where you fell in love with the art of, of theatre, with musicals, with, with, with the idea of Broadway and, and all of these things, right? And the other point where of your life where you realised that you could make a career out of it. So, if you want to start my performing arts journey, you have to go quite far back. Yes, let's go. <laughs> let's go as far back as we can. <laughs> so, I was a premature baby. <laughs> this is super far back. Okay. <laughs> I was a premature baby. No, but like... Um, my mom sent me to dance classes because I was a preemie baby and then the doctor was like, so ballet will strengthen mm-hmm. your daughter's legs, right? Which is, up now that I've danced ballet, you need strong legs for ballet. It's not that ballet will give you strong legs. Right. But anyway, so I started with that. I started dancing first. I was dancing for a very long time. So, you know, the stage has always been part of my childhood growing up, da 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 and the switch kind of happened because, you know, I was like, I was going to be a journalist. I was going to be a lawyer. Oh, God, I'm so glad I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I'm not alive. I get too emotional. Um, hence the actor thing. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I want to be a lot of things. But what really actually made me, like, convince myself to do musical theatre in particular not just dancing, was I somehow managed to get roped into this um, workshop that was sponsored by the American Embassy at the time. So we Mm -hmm. got to work with like an actual Broadway professional. And what really stood out to me was we did two sort of like medleys from two very different musicals. The first one is Lion King. Um, Lion King has a stage version, if you're mm-hmm. unaware, right? Right. Right. And it's very dancey. There's like lots of like beautiful movement just to like tell the story. That was one. And then the mm-hmm. other musical that we worked on was Sweeney Todd, right? Which was written by the late composer Stephen Sondheim. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, even though that was the less dancey musical, the way this director staged this number really like blew my mind. I was like, wow, there's more than one way to tell a story using your body that's not necessarily full athletic dancing, you know? And I thought, this is so... It just really like shook my world for a while, you know? Because all, you know, at, at that point, all I knew from dancing was that you had to dance to express your ABC idea. But... Here we were standing, singing, and just really communicating this. I was like, I want to do this. And like I said, it was a a little bit of a moment for me because I'm the dancer, right? So I thought I would um, resonate with the dancing musical more, Mm -hmm. but it's this very serious, miserable... (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert, a lot of people die in Sweeney Todd. So Mm -hmm. like, I I really resonated with me. Right, right this happened and so I was like yeah I really want to do this and so I up until that point I was still trying to convince my parents that I wanted to do this mm-hmm. but that was really like the the, the lock and the key and the and yeah. you know I really just unlocked everything and at the end of the workshop 
um, up until that point, my mom and I was still kind of arguing. She's like, you know, because she, I'm the first arts practitioner in my family. Right. Yeah. Right. And also within my immediate family, I'm the first one to have gone to college. I haven't been to college at this point, but my mom was really rooting for me mm-hmm. to get a real job uh, because I actually managed to get into several pre-med programs. She a bit smart, uh, can study you. And so, you know, for your, you know, typical Chinese mother, you mm-hmm. can study, you go and study. Uh, yeah. Like, just because I can do it doesn't mean I enjoy it. And, you know, now on the flip side, 10 years out of SPM, um, I'm, I'm speaking to my doctor friends. I was like, there's absolutely no way I would have survived doing that. Right. Um, shout out to all the healthcare workers because, yeah, what they're doing is amazing and I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I went up to her, I was like, My, I will work hard at something that I truly want to do mm-hmm. forever, right? And that that is still the same. Like, I can't imagine myself putting myself through the grueling hours, the uncertain uh, income <laughs> opportunities if I didn't truly want to do this. I want to talk to you about another, you know, passion of yours before we, you know, sort of uh, come full circle again. And, and that is that apart from theatre, dance, acting and all of that, you're also a fitness and mobility instructor. How did yeah. this come about? I didn't receive a lot of very holistic training in terms of like I danced a lot, but I was never really taught how to protect my body and how to right. condition it well. So I was injured quite a bit. And at the time, the narrative was that if you're a dancer, your body's going to be abused. Having a broken body is just part and parcel of it all. Obviously, knowing what I know now, that's complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so I started actually getting into this stuff because I, at that point in time, so I was working in Singapore and I, it was a very simple accident. I was literally walking to the bus stop. Okay. And there was just a, a little, a little dip in the curb that I didn't see and my foot just went, this is your foot. All of a sudden, my foot was staring back at me like this. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I rolled my ankle like pretty badly and then my ankle swelled up to like the size of a tennis ball. And I was like, hmm. Now, at that point, I had sprained my ankle, like both my ankles, uh, like a lot. Again, I'm an answer, right? Accidents happen, all of that Mm -hmm. thing. Um, But that was like the last, so like I had to go see a doctor, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all the doctors said the same thing. You know, uh, dancing is just, you know, very dangerous. You have to stop it. Oh, my favorite is your feet are too small for you to dance on. Actual doctor told me that. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, my feet are quite small. Like, I can wear children's sizes for shoes. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think that should stop me from dancing. Right. So, so, yeah, I had to have my ankle reconstructed um, because there are three main ligaments that hold your ankle to the foot and the leg 
and two out of three were torn. <laughs> oh no! Um, and so when I I went for the MRI, uh, it's a bit dramatic, lah. Like so, I went for the MRI to see you know how bad the tears were, and then the doctor was like, hmm. Ugh. I was like, oh, oh it cannot yeah. be good if yeah. the doctor's like, mm, uh. <laughs> and basically they found out there was a tumor in my ankle. Uh. But it was thankfully a non-cancerous tumor. But that was the thing that was stopping my ankle from healing fully. Every time I sprained my ankle, it got a little bit more, like the, the tumor grew a little mm. bit more and it started to eat on the healthy tissue. And so that was like, Ooh. and so he was like, well, I'll go in, I'll take all the stuff out. <laughs> and since I'm already there, I will just tie your uh, ligaments together again. <laughs> right. And I was like, great. Um, so it was that point out of the surgery where I was like, oh, oh, because my foot was completely bandaged. I like couldn't even move my toes because right. they really had to like you know reconstruct everything. Mm -hmm. When I say I literally had to learn how to walk again, that was that, you know, and that was a scary thing as a dancer, as somebody who uses her body mm -hmm. to work, live. Like even when I was a dancer, like I still need my legs, right? Yep. So I was literally on bed on Instagram. <laughs> being really sad and then all of a sudden just like the way whether it's the universe <laughs> or Mark Zuckerberg's algorithm <laughs> um, it presented to me this post by this guy who was like my ankles like I used to sprain my ankles from just walking I was like oh my god that's me yep. <laughs> and then he's like uh, Fast forward, how many years later, now my ankles... And I saw him literally... You know, you jump and your feet are like mm -hmm. this, right? He was jumping on the outside of his foot, like where you normally sprain your ankle. He was jumping on the outside of it and he was jumping and landing and doing all Whoa. And I was like, how did you go? What, was, uh, something is missing here. How did yeah. you go from here to here, right? And so that's how I kind of fell into the rabbit hole of mobility training. Oh my god, there is a world out there where the doctors are, aren't just going to say, you know, here's some painkillers, the end. You know, there's an actual science to building your muscles up again and making sure it's strong again. And uh, yeah, like I have been doing, I, I got into it for myself first. And I'm happy to say since my surgery, it 2018, I have not sprained my ankle oh, <laughs> yet. brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, so yeah, I got into it for myself first. And then I was like, hey, actually I know a lot of people <laughs> who could benefit from this. So I started sharing it with my friends first. And then I was like, I'm going to get certified so that I can do this. Fantastic. On the show with me today is Megan Chung, theatre practitioner and fitness trainer. After break, I ask her what it takes to sustain a career as a theatre practitioner in Malaysia. Keep it here on Redefining Success, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Redefining Success. I'm Dr. Johan and on the show with me today is Megan Chung, theatre practitioner and a fitness trainer. 
So, Megan, it's one thing to be a theatre practitioner, or it's and it's another thing, you know, to also, you know, okay, uh, I need to strengthen my, you know, my body. So, like, you know, I discovered this this whole, um, you know, mobility side of fitness and and so on and so forth and, and all of that. And it's a completely different thing to say now. I want to teach people these things. I want to teach people theatre. I want to teach people fitness. Um, you know, you you when it comes to theatre, you teach like uh, you know at Monday show schools and a couple of other places. Then Motion Lab, your fitness uh, mobility training. Why why teach, Megan? Um, <laughs> I started teaching. Actually, I mean, it's a money thing mm-hmm. to start with yep. because again, not many opportunities were available to me at the time. Mm-hmm. And also thinking back, I think I ego lah. Like I thought I was like, I want to pick and choose what kind of work that I wanted, right. you know. So uh, in order to pay the bills, mm-hmm. I was like, I will start teaching. And and I actually my first full time gig out of school was to teach. Um, and I thought I would. I won't say I won't say resent it, but I thought I wouldn't enjoy it as much as I actually do. Right. Um, when I was training, I was dance captain a lot, mm-hmm. which meant that you would assist the choreographer or the director staging the shows, which meant that you already kind of have to teach your colleagues certain, you know, sequences in the show, catch right. certain people up. So I was already very familiar uh, with that kind of mentoring, sharing process. And... I really have found the magic in teaching because it's really amazing to see how you, with the knowledge that you have and um, your, your abilities to communicate those skills, you can see that little light bulb moment in people, regardless of whether it's fitness or theater or, or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, and they're like, oh, I can do this. I, I, it's, it's not entirely out of the, the realm of possibility for me to achieve this. So that is really fulfilling for me. Like I didn't start out doing this to be a teacher, but I, I, along the way I fell in love with it. Yeah. And what would you say are some of the key qualities required to be a good teacher? I mean, what is your philosophy of teaching? I think my teaching, okay, I don't know about philosophy, but my mm-hmm. teaching style has obviously evolved and mm-hmm. has been heavily influenced by my mentors. So when I first started, it was very like regimented. Right. Don't talk to me. No, 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 no. Very business. We have one thing to achieve and I'm going to make sure you achieve it like right. that. Um, and then I got other mentors you know, I saw I was like, oh, there's more than one way <laughs> to, to get, um, I don't like the saying, but like, <laughs> there's more than one way to skin a cat, right. but the nicer version of that, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, uh, absolutely. and sometimes I feel that it's, it's more powerful mm-hmm. when they make the discoveries themselves, right. when you allow them to have agency, to see how magical they truly are mm-hmm. and because uh, when I first started teaching I was like the answer is X mm. go you go from A to B to C so you can get X right um, but now it's less likely for me to say you are looking for X it's like 
Here's A and B and C. You can do whatever you want with it. And let's see what comes at the end. If it is X, great. If it's not X, maybe it's better than X, you know? Um, so, so that, I think, to me, has been the biggest shift, um, is to not place my expectations on my students, on my clients, and see what kind of, like, beauty they can bring from their own, you know, initiative, from their own um, experiences and their own discoveries. You're, you know, you, you work at different places, you have different gigs, your day-to-day -day is sort of, um, it differs based on what performances you've got coming up and, and things like that, what uh, gigs you have signed up for. Paint a picture for me, what does a day in the life of Megan Cheng look like? Every day can be very different. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my day will start at 5 a.m. Sometimes my day will start at 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the number one thing that I learned, and this is the most annoying part of adulting in this life, right. is that you really have to be responsible for your own time, right? right. Um, because with like a 9 to 5 or an 8 to 6, I don't know what corporate people do now anymore, mm -hmm. but... You know you have to wake up at this time. You know you're gonna have food at this time. You know you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have to drive home at this time. Right. Everything is kind of like laid out for you. And then for me, it's like oh, nobody's telling me what to do. I need to figure that out. <laughs> so that has been the biggest like not struggle, but the the biggest like challenge. Because if you look at it from like a project management perspective, I am the project. <laughs> right. Right? That, you know, I have to be at this point in this place. I need to make sure that in order to complete this task, A, B, and C, and D need to be completed before, you know, pre that task and so all of that stuff. A lot of my day-to-day -day involves that. So one of the things that I did just yesterday mm -hmm. was um, we were holding auditions for a musical that we're going to be putting up um, at Monday show. Right. And so... My responsibility, I'm the choreographer, I have to prepare the dance call, right. right? And so to prepare the dance call, you need to come up with the choreography for the number. And so before that, I have to choose which number right. I need to choreograph for. And then once I've chosen the number, okay, then I have to, um, what, what am I looking for in this audition? I need to mm -hmm. figure out what I'm looking for for this audition so that I can figure out what kind of choreography I want to see them attempt what I want. Um, so yeah, I have to do a lot of these little tasks, which to a lot of people might not, you know, understand. If you, if you don't know theater, if you don't right. know how all this works, you'd be like, oh, you know, uh, they just need to learn a dance or yeah. she just needs to come up with a dance. And Absolutely. Then, then. From the outside, sometimes, you know, it's just like, oh, it's glitz and glamour and fun and games, right? There's a lot of planning, a mm -hmm. lot of managing that goes into making sure all of this stuff mm -hmm. happens, you know, very smoothly and very um, systematically. That being said, my day-to-day -day is quite chaotic. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> I know these are the tasks that I have to get done, yep. right? Um, but at the same time, I need to also make sure that my life is in order. Because, yeah. you know, Maslow's hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you cannot do self-actualization if you don't have, like, food and shelter mm -hmm. and, you right. know, and all, all of that stuff. Um, so I would wake up mm -hmm. and then I will look at my phone because I, at 
where I am today, my sleep schedule is all over the place. Last night, I finished rehearsals at 11.45 p.m. Mm -hmm. um, and then by the time I got home, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, it's like 1.30. And then, you know, so that's right, like right. that. And then, uh, so there are days that I finish late like that. And so it, it affects my wake up time the next day because I want to be able to sleep. Right. Um, and so I wake up and then I look at my phone. And I was like, can I avoid to sleep some more because my body clock will wake up but do I want to sleep some more? Right. So then I was like okay I'll sleep in some more or maybe I'll get up. Um, the first thing I always do is go to the toilet and right. I spend like sometimes I can spend up to an hour and a half in the toilet because it's also where I meditate and yeah. like figure out what the hell do I need to do mm -hmm. to get through today. today. Yep. <laughs> so yeah um Depending on whether it is a mostly uh, teaching day or whether it is a mostly like pre-production day, so if I have to do a lot of admin work, um, I also have my own clients mm -hmm. outside of Monday Show and uh, Motion Lab and other places that I teach. Like, I teach under Megan Jung, <laughs> right? Right. Mm -hmm. So I would have to check in with. They are programming for the week. Like, mm -hmm. okay, last week we did this. So this week, what are, are we any closer to their goals? How can I switch, you know, or adapt their their um, their their training schedule, their training program, so that we can, you know, move towards their goals. So that's all sort of like admin things. I'm at my computer just typing their programming out, um, settling invoices and accounting, and there's all the stuff that like nobody right. wants to do, but you have to as a business owner, right? Uh, and like I'm my I'm my boss and my employee, so right. right. <laughs> you know, Megan, talk to me about how because I think you are at a stage right now where you know after years of experience, um, you. Your, your life is, like you said, there's a certain chaos to it. But you're at a point right now where you have sort of a grip on your chaos. You sort of, um, at least from my understanding, are, are able to, to manage this chaos um, so that you don't burn out, so that, you know, you don't wake up and say, oh my God, I forgot to do this and this and this, and then now my students are waiting here and I also have to go for an audition and, and things like that. How, how do you approach that? What have you learned from your years and experience when it comes to, let's say, uh, managing time and being responsible of your time and, and you know, as managing you as yourself as a product? I would say progress is not linear. Right. <laughs> there are still days mm -hmm. today. I would, okay, I will never be like, oh my God, my students here. I always know when my classes are at. Right. It's those, like I mentioned, the like pre-production, the mm -hmm. planning stage of tasks, those are the things that I tend to miss out on or let slip the most. And that's something that I only recognized kind of recently uh, because at this point, I, I was just talking to my boyfriend, Wilson. Mm -hmm. I was like, why am I so tired? I don't think I have that many things going on on my plate. And then I was like, I opened an Excel sheet and I was like, let me put all the projects that I'm working on right now, including my regular classes and then my own personal training. Right. It's a lot. Absolutely. It's like 10 sheets, 12, mm. something like that. And I was like, oh, actually I got a lot of things going yeah. on. <laughs> yep. um, so what is the, again, it's chaos, but 
I think the most important thing is to like know yourself mm. and develop a system that works for you. Because I don't think my system will work for anybody else because it's my brain, you know. Um, and this is something that I, I see, like, uh, especially with um, newer, you know, either students or like I see people who like want to do this for real and either aren't accustomed to, to managing themselves. Right. Right. And their time and their projects. And the, the most important thing or the thing that's missing from their process or, or right. management mm -hmm. is their system, like finding a system that works for you. And for me, it's putting things down in a right. document that's easily accessible across many devices. Because, <laughs> you know, like, I can't, like, write thing, one thing on my phone and then I want to check it on my laptop and I have to, like, find my phone. Like, you know, where, where, like, mm -hmm. the internet is very important to me. The cloud is very <laughs> integral to my Absolutely. success. <laughs> <laughs> What does it take um, to sustain yourself as a theatre practitioner in Malaysia? Talk to me about the effort you put in from, you know, the, being at a point where you couldn't necessarily uh, pick and choose the projects that you wanted to do all the time because you're like, you know, I need to put um, food on the table to the point where you are now where you can make those choices. Talk to me the amount of effort, determination and all that you had to put in. Having the second job helps with my fitness side. Mm -hmm. um, not saying I'm obviously like I'm obviously passionate about the fitness side as well. So it's it's um, very fortunate that I have that right. But even if you look at like the epicenter of theater itself, New York City, Broadway, mm -hmm. um, actors who are trying to make ends meet are waitressing. They are being busboys, bus girls in hotels. They're just doing whatever so that they can survive, you know, feed themselves um, in order to do what they want and then eventually become successful enough to not have to rely right. on their day job. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I still really enjoy my day job so it's not necessarily that i want to give it up completely right um so uh, yeah i think for me um if you can find your personal strengths and if you find a passion for it that's outside of theater it's completely you know acceptable because like i said Maslow's hierarchy of needs you know you can say yes I'm very passionate about this and all I'm going to do is this but realistically you need to feed yourself absolutely yeah so um, and also don't like I don't subscribe to this starving artist mentality you know I, I, I like you know and this is something that you know, even my, par my parents and my family didn't understand because they, they don't know any better. They're not part of the theater world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, oh, you know, uh, things are very tough as a practitioner of the arts. And it is, but not in the way that you think it is. Like, you know, they think that you're never going to earn money ever again. And, you know, with this whole pandemic thing that happened, it affected everybody. 
I mean, affected the arts a lot, right? Because they were told, you know, you're not yeah. essential. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I'm always a believer of like, if you want to do something and if you want to make it happen for yourself, you you can, mm-hmm. you know? Um, if this month, the next few months, I suddenly don't have any arts-related gigs, mm-hmm. um, I can always take a step back and be like, okay, what can I do? What are my strengths? And it's really in knowing yourself and being brave to say like, doing all of these other things does not take away from, um, it does not invalidate my passion for the arts. It does not invalidate my position as a practitioner. It does not make me less than just because I'm doing this other thing as well as theater. You know, and it's not just in Malaysia that you, you know, need a second job to survive, survive. Um, like I said, you need to, you need to do this even, even in New York City. So having a shift in that mindset, you know, where it's like, okay, I'm doing this because uh, I need to survive. Mm-hmm. But also, if I had to, if things really turn to shit, like what other life can I create for myself that's still going to bring me joy, that's still going to let me live the life that I want to live, you know? Um, And that takes a lot of, like, self-realization and (laughs) self-acceptance. Absolutely. Now, you brought up the pandemic, and I want to talk about something interesting and important you did during the pandemic because you managed to raise close to 6,000 ringgit during the pandemic um, through an initiative called Manari for Makan. Tell me about this because it's, it, it's fascinating. You know, you, you couldn't do, you couldn't perform live in, in your regular, um, you know, like in theatres and all of that. Everything was online. The art scene was pretty much shut down. Um, yet you managed to raise 6,000 ringgit, which is fantastic. Yeah, um, so like I mentioned earlier, I'm a very emotional person. (laughs) And when the pandemic first hit, um, and then all the stories of like, you know, the people really struggling, because we were in lockdown, right? And Mm -hmm. they like couldn't go to work and they couldn't, you know, wow, I'm getting emotional. Stop it. (laughs) Um, Get food. Mm -hmm. And to me, like... Food is like, you know, again, bottom of Maslow's hierarchy. (laughs) Drink every time I say Maslow's hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, if you don't have access to food, that is like soul crushing to me. And I know that is the reality for, you know, people even before the pandemic. But like this one really like, you know, those um, people who are already teetering on the poverty line, like that just kind of like, you know, ruined whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, system they had going for them. So I was like, okay, how do I do this? I want to help, but I'm not made of money. My own personal income has also, you know... It took a massive hit, yeah. Massive. I was like, Mm -hmm. I sat there and I was like, looking at my bank account. I was like, "Mm, okay, let's see how long this goes for. (laughs) Right. So, So I was like, okay, what am I good at? I'm good at dancing. I'm good at communicating to people. I was like, okay... Let's see if... I was like, if I can get a hundred ringgit, that's a hundred ringgit more than I, what I could have afforded. Yeah. Right? So that I literally went into this doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I posted uh, 
the thing on my Instagram and then I also shared it to Facebook and then more people shared it and then uh, people were sharing, sharing and then uh, I ended up working with COVID Care Malaysia uh, and they got in touch with me as well as several other um, individuals who were uh, also trying to like, you know, have their own initiatives to just help each other out. Which, you know, like, if there's one thing the pandemic taught us is that we live in a society. <laughs> you know, without each other, what, what, what is there to live for, you know? Absolutely. Like, everybody needs everybody. Right. No one is safe until all of us are safe. So I was like, okay, this is a small thing that I can do. Um, we're all just going to dance in our homes, put a little bit of lives. I'm just going to, you know, and I, I roped my parents into it because I thought... <laughs> I'm going to exploit my parents all cute dancing <laughs> for some dollars. And then I just, you know, did that. I didn't really think too much of it. I literally was like crying the night before. I was like, what do I do? I feel so helpless. I was like, okay, stop crying. <laughs> what can we do? And I feel like that's, that's my life in a nutshell. Cry, stop crying, figure out what to do, do it. <laughs> Now, Megan, what has been... You've been a theatre practitioner for many years. Um, you also do fitness, you dance, all of these things. What has been your proudest work to date as an artist? I mean, like, if you want to say, like, the very superficial, oh, it's when I won an award for my choreography, because, like, that's... You know, it feels nice to be validated mm -hmm. by your peers. Right. Um, but some of my proudest work, again, happens in rehearsals mm -hmm. or when my students come up to me and be like I have been pain-free ever since we started classes mm. I feel like I can regain um, my sense of self uh, my agency because I was really I thought you know this was the end like I had to rely on painkillers for the rest of my life um, you taught me that I can dance, you know, the, the, it, like breaking people free from their, their mental jails, right. <laughs> you know, that is very rewarding also, but in a completely different way. You defined your definition of, this, uh, of success at the start of the show. How do you as me measure growth that you're growing, whether in your career or as an individual, how do you measure it? Hmm. I think for me, uh, growth is how I look at things now. <laughs> the shift in my mindset. Right. Um, I used to be, again, it comes from being so fresh <laughs> in, in the scene uh, where I was like, you have one opportunity to do this one thing, so you better not fuck it up. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, I like place so much pressure right. on like this job, this interview, this audition, this one class. Even though it's a classroom setting where you're supposed to learn something, I was like, no. But by the time I leave the class, I need to impress the instructor, or they if they don't talk me they'll 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 hate me forever and i'm never gonna oh, you know I, I used to fill my head uh, with all of that so on a personal growth level um being more kind but also like realistic because hmm. barring very certain really bad 
felonies. Right. <laughs> Most people will have multiple chances at their career, mm -hmm. that show, that opportunity. It might not come back in the same way, but it will always come back around. You know, if, if it's for you, if it's meant for you, then it's meant for you. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like how I think I measure growth. Uh, it's like how I, how I approach my work, how I handle obstacles and adversity. Um, and obviously that helps a lot. It helps a lot when you have a good support system. I would not be who I am, you know, without the people around me. And I think recognizing that and always trying to like work towards giving back in that sense is very important. Because again, we live in a society. <laughs> You're not alone in this, you know. Um, that's, so that's like for personal growth. Um, for career growth, I think it it comes down to the whole meaningful work thing. Yeah. Um, yes, you know there there are there are always glamorous opportunities. I feel, and I I've I've been given those opportunities, but. Glamorous doesn't always equal meaningful or impactful. Um, so if I can have more of those moments, I think that uh, I'm on the right path in terms of like where I'm going towards. How would um, you define meaningful work? You asked me five years ago, I would say like, oh, you know, meaningful work means like we're all gathered in the same space. Right. And we're all, um, one of my uh, acting lecturers slash mentors, he was like, theater is when a bunch of strangers sit next to a bunch of strangers in the dark to watch some strangers on stage do strange things. <laughs> <laughs> like, in a nutshell, that's right. what theater is, right? And so, um, you know, and I thought, like, I thought that was meaningful work. That might not necessarily be the case. Uh, anymore because right. meaningful work can be even done on TikTok now, right? Like the, the, as long as your messaging is the same, it does not matter what the medium is. So I think meaningful work is having, uh, being able to tell the stories I want to tell, to share the stories I want to share, to uplift the stories I want to uplift, uh, the people that I want to uplift, regardless of the medium. I think that is meaningful work because you can uplift people in a rehearsal room, on stage, in a classroom, on TikTok, on Instagram, you know. Um, but yeah, I think to do that is meaningful work. Just one last question before we wrap this conversation up. Megan, you also talked about how there were points in your life where you wanted to be a journalist, lawyer, so many different things. Ultimately, you chose the path that was truest to yourself. Um, what does it feel like doing something that you love? I'm currently preparing for a little concert musical thing. Uh, and I have been given the opportunity to dance a solo. Now, despite being a dancer, I have not actually danced, danced, performed a solo since... 2011. Wow, that's like 10, more than 10 years. Yeah, yeah, because like, the, and that was like a dance competition. Right. So it was like a competition. Um, like, 
because I studied musical theater, I have sung solo quite a few times. Mm -hmm. But dancing a solo, even though that's kind of like where I started, like I haven't done that in my career yet. And so I came out of rehearsals and I was so tired and my body was aching everywhere, but I was so happy. And I was like, <laughs> you know, it's exhilarating. Right. You know, that's what it's like when you're doing something that you love. You're so tired, but you feel so fulfilled. You know, that is that is the reward. You're, you're finishing rehearsals at eleven forty-five. You like to barely have any downtime. Now, I'm not saying that's healthy <laughs> to like you know, um, but in those periods of you know, when it's crunch time and really really have to like dig deep to scrape the bottom of the barrel just to get through to the day and you still feel good at the end of it, I think um, that's a sign that you're doing something well. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> that was Megan Chung. She's a theatre practitioner and a fitness trainer. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan, and this has been Redefining Success, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.